0: Canada, the conspiracy show with Richard Seren. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home and between your ears. Merry Christmas to all of you listening in on our flagship station here in Toronto, and again, all of you listening in on the the podcast, also to the live stream at hawkszone.com, and of course, all of you listening in on one of our growing list of US affiliates. Again, my wish to you and yours, a blessed Christmas and a happy Hanukkah and a peaceful, healthy, prosperous new year. Uh, once again, we're doing another HOA Hangout on air. And if you want to join the Hangout, uh, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett. And while you're there, you can follow me, say hi. But if you go to the first uh, first or second tweets from the top, you'll find the link for our live YouTube stream uh, and then you can listen and watch the program at the same time. You can even check out my new haircut. <laughs> Give me a thumbs up or thumbs down. Uh, I'm also wearing my uh, a, a very festive T-shirt. Well, not really. It's, uh, it's, it's black and it's, well, uh, a few James Bond uh, fans, you'll understand. It's a specter on it and it has the the symbol of specter, the octopus. Can they see that? Albert, my, tech, my story producer? Lower the camera there. That's my Specter T-shirt. All right. If you can tell me what uh, Specter stands for... Uh, there's no prize. I just, you know, congratulations. <laughs> you can drop me a line at theconspiracyshow1 at gmail.com. What does Spectre stand for? There's a new James Bond film being uh, made as we speak. Uh, Daniel Craig returning is uh, James Bond, and uh, the name of it is Spectre. So I'm wearing this uh, not-so-festive T-shirt, uh, I guess, in uh, commemoration of the new James Bond film. All right. Uh, I wanted to mention that towards the tail end of the program, I mean right near the finish line, just before we dim the lights, our media science contributor Nelson Thaw will be here for a very quick call uh, to give us uh, a few insights into this whole Sony Pictures computer hacking story involving the North Koreans, or so we're led to believe. Um, we're led to believe that it's the North Koreans that are doing this, but we'll find out what Nelson makes of all of this. That's later in the hour. Uh, I know many of you are uh, all hunkering down for the Christmas season and you're starting to slow things down, uh, but the conspiracy show doesn't stop for Christmas. And this hour, well, admittedly, it has very little to do with Christmas, although my uh, technical producer, Tim Spreen, is going to spin a few of my holiday favorites just to keep us in the mood. But where we're headed in the next 45 minutes or so, it, well, about it's about as far as Christmas as you can get. It has to do with uh, some recently uncovered information regarding the Nazis and anti-gravitic technology. Uh, now, many of you are no doubt familiar with the the legend of the Nazi Bell, which was uh, purported to be a top secret Nazi scientific uh, technological device, secret weapon, uh, or Wunderwaff. Uh, Author uh, Joseph Farrell, who is a great friend of this program, has written about it extensively, The Nazi Bell and it's associated with Nazi occultism and anti-gravity and free energy. Uh, Now, here with the latest on this fascinating secret chapter in history is George Freund, who has previously hosted his own popular talk show on that channel, delving into such issues as the debt crisis, 9-11, uh, uh, secret Weather Weapons, All Things Hidden And uh, his also popular podcast was known as the Conspiracy Cafe An alternative media forum that challenges popular opinion with difficult truths And as a student with a passion for the intelligence history of the world Events can be applied to those students with a pa Sorry, uh, can be applied to those dictums Those who don't know their history are condemned to repeat it If there's anything learned from history, it's people learning nothing from history. George Freund, how are you? Merry Christmas, my friend.
1: And Merry Christmas to you. Actually, listening to your previous guest, the 777, I saw that in the window of the Sydney coffee shop. That was a giant close-up, went around the world. So I don't know, there was some predictive programming going on there by the powers-to-be to tell us that the Shemitah is in play.
0: Ah, interesting.
1: That, I was looking at the numbers it was got to have some significance and uh, i 'm glad he enlightened us into into that because that is the significance let's
0: let 's talk about I, I received this um, um, it 's not entirely cryptic but it, it certainly you know grabbed my attention this email from you that you just you know recently uncovered information regarding uh, you know Nazi secret technology and uh, secret weapons and so forth that they were developing even before the second world War. Uh, tell us about how this all this this evolved
1: well, accidentally, I was just looking for a video to put on uh, my website about sunken German submarines, and I stumbled across uh, a link that said one was sunk off the coast of New Zealand. <laughs> I was just flabbergasted because I never heard about that before. That was the U 196.
0: So right, right.
1: Allegedly, it was found in 1981, and, uh, everyone was aghast. Like, you know, where did the crew go? What happened? And slowly it was pieced together that the crew was taken ashore and instantly assimilated into society and, uh, allowed to ultimately get status in New Zealand. And they had a cargo, and that cargo involved nuclear technology and uh, the ability to process nuclear technology so the British could make their own bomb because they weren't getting much help from uh, the Americans with uh, their captured Operation Paperclip uh, Nazis. So everybody was competing for everything all at the same time, the French, the British, the Russians and the Americans And uh, because they had access to get at these bells and pretty much uh, each one of these countries did. So near the end of the war, Germany surrendered on uh, May the eighth, nineteen
0: forty-five, and they sent the uh, the German army did, but the Nazis never did.
1: They never did, and uh, you know I would argue today that uh, we can follow this right to the White House today. That's how uh, bizarre uh, this story can be. Wow.
0: Well, let's. You mentioned the uh, U-196, and and this was these were long-range U-boats. Um, as you say, one was was sunk off the coast of New Zealand. Now, was there not another one sent to, uh, to New York Harbor uh, in something like May of 1945? And they also that was also carrying weapons-grade uranium?
1: Uh, yes, it was. That was U-234. It was supposed to go to Japan, and then with the war closing in, that was one of the deals that got a lot of uh, really high-level Nazis off the hook, is you had to have something to trade for anonymity and freedom. And nuclear weapons is the ultimate one. And even uh, you know, if you look back with 2020 hindsight to say who got off, if a, a, an evil power got a hold of these weapons and had mastery of them, or someone who would want to be an evil power, it's over. The the world is uh, is going to be completely changed. And uh, the highest levels of the Third Reich could sell that. For their freedom to say, "You let me go, and we'll give you technology."
0: So, in other words, uh, Hitler's successor, um, this admiral, ordered all of these secret sub- the secret submarine flotilla to sail to all these designated enemy ports. One was in, in New Zealand. One ended up being in New York Harbor. But you say that was en route to Japan, and in exchange for this nuclear material on board, Germany gained its sort of continued participation in any post-war nuclear weapons programs?
1: Oh, very much so. The Americans were having a lot of trouble putting the nuclear bomb together, a lot of trouble. And when U-234 came in, it was just a matter of weeks before they started to to really get it rolling. One, they had the uranium. Two, they had the triggers, the detonators to get the bomb going. And the head of security for the Manhattan Project just flipped when uh, he saw the treasure trove that came with the submarine, as well as technical advice. And uh, that's what really made the American nuclear bomb work. And uh, U-234 was one of the submarines. Uh, there was, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Humphrey Bogart film, the Across the Pacific movie. That was just a, a classic bogey I haven't movie.
0: seen that one, no.
1: There's a secret base that the Japanese are supposed to have around the Panama Canal and all the Nazis and fascist agents and such get around there and of course Bogart goes in and cleans it out, but there was a real one and it was in Indonesia it was on a tea plantation and it belonged to uh, two brothers, Emil and Theodore Helfrich and uh, Mr. Helfrich was the CEO of Hamburg America Line, he was also CEO of Esso, which was owned by Standard Oil at the time Mm -hmm. and he was the one who told Hindenburg that you've got to put Hitler in power. He was uh, also Friends of, uh, they call it the Friends of the Friendship Circle of Himmler. He was a member of that along with Haljmar Schack, the banker, and the people from uh, the Abernaby, the people that went to Tibet and Antarctica, the far-off places to look for uh, secret technology and uh, to be able to get into the inner earth theory of the world and portals right, right. and such like that.
0: What, what about this this base uh, that was uh, the submarine Nazi submarine base in uh, the Antarctic? Well that's
1: where it leads to ultimately. From Indonesia, unit 196 sailed. It was written off because it didn't report in around December the 1st, 1944, and they just said it was lost at sea, but no one's ever discovered the wreck, or it was just because it didn't report in, it was written off. And ultimately it sailed uh, into the waters of New Zealand. There's other reports as well that Previously, it was carrying gold. That's what the uh, Germans and Japanese would trade, science and technology, for uh, gold because Germany was in a financial crisis, not having any foreign currency reserves to buy things and support its country. So these special submarines were designed. They were the 9CD types larger. They were cleaned out of weapons. Their their job was to just basically be an underwater freighter and carry the technology and the and the basically assets, gold assets around the world.
0: Right, all the Nazi plunder. I mean, and, uh, uh, priceless works of art and gold and silver and unimaginable wealth. So, so it, this was all stored somewhere in, an, in, in the Antarctic. Is that the idea?
1: Ultimately, that's where it went to. Uh, the, the, the story of the Antarctic is just absolutely bizarre. And you're probably familiar with uh, Operation High Jump, where Admiral Byrd, after the war basically did an invasion of Antarctica coming from three directions with an aircraft carrier task force allegedly just to go looking for uh, you know some sort of mapping expedition but none of the vessels he was taking there, there isn't much you could do with an american uh, combat submarine some destroyers they re- they really aren't uh, exploration vehicles and the storyline is is that they invaded Antarctica looking for this Nazi redoubt and any advanced Civilizations or technologies that may exist. And I sent you a movie that was found in the uh, an antique store in Germany, something that just slipped through, that wasn't ever uh, accumulated or destroyed. It was the German expedition to go to Antarctica. And it's just absolutely stunning to watch this movie. It's a silent film, and uh, it, it just details in, in every little way what was found there. All right, George. The Deutsche Antarctic Expedition of 1938.
0: All right, George, uh, hold on. We'll take a time out. We'll come back as Willie Nelson takes us into the break with pretty paper. Uh, We'll continue to discuss Nazi secret technology, secret weaponry, and the Nazi bell with George Freund, independent researcher, broadcaster, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away.
2: Christmas is my
0: Exploring theories, uncovering facts, and offering a different view of the universe. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. George Freund is with us. Uh, and uh, uh, George was, uh, for a number of years, the host of a very popular uh, podcast, uh, Conspir- The Conspiracy Cafe. Is that still going, George? Yes, I just do
1: it from home now because the technology exists. that uh, you know I just record things at home and post them on my website, Then it saves me trucking down to the studio. But, uh, you know, we still have a massive following, and, uh, you know, people just beg me to keep going because I do things that nobody else will do, like take the bull by the horns and uh, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. There's a lot of things that need to be said, and a lot of people just aren't prepared to say it. And once you get used to taking the, uh, the Kool-Aid, you can't get off it.
0: Now you, we, we were talking about this uh, nuclear technology that the the Germans uh, the, the Nazis possessed, and uh, after Hitler's death in the in the dying days of the Second World War, at least the Second World War in Europe, uh, Hitler's uh, appointed successor, this uh, admiral, uh, ordered this flotilla of long range subs uh, that were were loaded with this nuclear technology to. Uh, to, to, um sail off to these designated, um uh, ports, uh, enemy ports, really. New Zealand, uh, New York, uh, perhaps, uh, en route to Japan. What specifically then, uh, we're talking about rep- weapons grade, uh, plutonium, I guess, here. Um uh, so, the takeaway here is, is what? That the, 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 uh, the Germans were just very close. So, uh, like, a, within a hair's width of developing the bomb before the Americans. I believe so
1: I think they were uh, you know to the point you know you, you could be getting to uh, a matter of days there might just been uh, some Germans on the inside realizing it would probably be better to give it to the Americans overall than uh, to let uh, the enemy side take it what the Germans really did with this bell is the bell was a heavy particle accelerator yeah
0: we need to talk about the Nazi
1: bell and what it did is it create it uh, was a source for creating some artificial neutrons. For an element called protactinium 233, and it was made from thorium 232. And when you use this bell, which is just two bells inside each other that spin at a very high rate of speed in opposite directions and create a vacuum inside, and mercury would be put inside with thorium gas, and this would, uh, you know, basically without using a nuclear reactor, create a fissionable material that you could have, bomb-grade material, by using thorium and turning it into uranium. In 27 days, this uh, new, new to me, but protactinium-233 would change into uranium-233. And uh, it was an electrical device, sort of using Tesla technology, to pump in close to 5 million volts into this device, with the, uh, you know, what's termed red mercury, this gas in between, and it is supposed to have very bizarre effects. It had a, uh, it was a ceramic bell, this bell, and it would glow like an ultraviolet color when it was in full operation. And, uh, you know, that just must be stunning to imagine. And it was made from ceramics, it had a beryllium mirror on it to reflect the neuro- neutrons back in. So that, uh, you know, I guess you don't lose any energy out of it. And people said when you looked at this concave mirror that you would actually see like back in time that it was, uh, you know, such a, a bizarre encounter. Uh, these details did come out in the uh, Nuremberg trials. One of the head Gestapo generals who was in charge of this program, uh, talked uh, quite a bit about this. And other German scientists were taped at a British university while they were, you know, in quasi custody working for them. That they had this ability to create fissionable materials without using nuclear reactors. And this has been shut up and uh, and basically taken away from history. Another place one of these bells went was to Argentina. So uh, there was a liaison with the Chilean Navy which is just so close to Argentina, where the, one of these submarines came ashore. And uh, it's, it's quite common knowledge. I think it was Dr. Richter, the man who invented the, uh, the, the Richter scale, who brought a bell into Argentina. It was used, and the Americans went after uh, Mr. Juan Peron viciously to try to get control of that technology and shut them down. And uh, Argentina was not in the good books through that period of time because these weapons were so powerful the uh, the whole concept even of red mercury as I was doing research into that is it has been patented by DuPont they make a liquid explosive hg2sB 207 a military uh, code name uh, for the uh, for this explosive that's just it's almost as powerful as a nuclear weapon
0: is that 0 probably...
1: 525 well the uh, the Zerum... 525 is the uh, material they put inside the two rotating spheres. So there's a paraffin material, there is a, a plasma created from the mercury, and the thorium vapors. And uh, that whole armaged- uh, you know, piece is called the Xeron 525, and uh, that acts as a means of creating free neutrons to bombard... The thorium two thirty two and turn it into this protactinium.
0: So you 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 mentioned the, some of the strange effects that were produced by the the Nazi bell. First of all, how, how many Nazi bells were in existence or are in existence? Do we know?
1: The best I can come up with, uh, you know, from one of the best research articles I found is they could determine there were four, but uh, they very very well may have been more. The uh, Russians got one by working with a uh, another. Chap and on one of the other German scientists, and uh, they made their own. But uh, there were four altogether. That you know, one for the French, one for the Americans, one for the British. And uh, you know, this is uh, using the uh, centrifuge method. The Americans weren't getting anywhere, and we can see in the modern era that the Iranians aren't really getting anywhere using the centrifuge either. And uh, this technology was so advanced, and it's still hush-hush up today. So this is like the the shortcut of just making your your fissionable materials to make your weapons, and that might had to be used underground too because it gave off a, a massive amount of X ray radiation.
0: Right. Yeah, and there it, were a number of unnamed uh, uh, scientists apparently Nazi scientists who, who died, uh, yes. and, and um, according to to Joseph Farrell and others, the Nazis ended up uh, a killing. 60 scientists nazi scientists that were associated with the program and then they buried them in a mass grave just to keep it sort of almost mirrors the uh, you know the the, uh, the the death list of all these microbiologists going around the world
1: correct so you know hitler was a sore loser to say the least and uh, you know one of the important things about this base in indonesia is there's a book out called ratline soviet spies nazi priests and uh, this is probably one of the you know one of the books you read that your eyeballs pop out of your head, because uh, he alleges ultimately that Hitler was transferred to Indonesia and lived in the vicinity of this base. and uh, that he died there. And that's a very significant and very important piece of information. And I have quite a blog on my website about that because we all know there was a certain president who was documented to live. Indonesia and be possibly born in Indonesia and there was a great deal of controversy about where he was born and uh, his mother worked for USAID and a doctor on a USAID ship called the SS hope is the man who said that he saw Hitler in his old age in the early 1960s when he was working on that ship as a uh, charity doctor and uh, let me get his name there, Dr. Sosto Husada.
0: Well, that's interesting because recently declassified FBI files uh, seem to strongly uh, suggest that uh, Hitler did survive the Second World War and uh, perhaps w- uh, lived in, in Argentina. Uh, but you're saying Indonesia. Maybe that's just a smokescreen.
1: Well, that was a transshipment point. First it was Argentina, and then ultimately in uh, you know the latter years, Indonesia. And, uh, like I say, it's just very, very interesting that the, the most controversial president we have about uh, ident- uh, you know having identification to say, like, if I wanted to clean in the White House, I'm going to need lots of pieces of ID, and they're going to have to stand up. And, uh, you know, Barry Satoros just don't. And a, a lot of the things, uh, you know, seem to be uh, finagled. So the fact that his mother is working in the same area where allegedly Mr. Hitler was on a ship called Hope, his campaign uh, slogan and promise Hope
2: is just absolutely
1: mind boggling that uh, we have him there. And, uh, you know, I would say that uh, if he was a Manchurian style president, he may have been very well put together to take that office on purpose to lead America down a darker trail. You talked about, uh, you know, these buildings with your previous guest about the World Trade Center and the towers. China has made a replica city of Manhattan, you know, era 2001. They've rebuilt the World Trade Centers in this replica. It's an exact scale model. And uh, so the World Trade Centers are standing in China right now. And, you know, that's just an eerie, eerie significance to the Shemitah coming along. And uh, the significance of, uh, of these towers in the banking empire or the survivor of the Shemitah maybe being China because... They seem to be in the strongest position holding the American
0: debt. George Freud is with us, the host of Conspiracy Cafe, independent researcher, and we're talking about, uh, secret, Nazi secret weapons. Now, let's get back to the Nazi bell for a moment, uh, and these strange effects. And you mentioned, you hinted that, uh, when, uh, people peered into the, uh, into the Nazi bell, it, they almost, it's like they got a glimpse of the past. So, what are we saying here that the, this thing was capable of uh, producing a time travel effect?
1: It's like opening a portal or a window. We can only speculate because, you know, we can't see this. We can only just listen to second-hand observations, but we're dealing with powers that are are so great that you know, almost anything is possible. And just to give you an example of how important Antarctica is as a base, like I don't know if you're familiar with the fact that uh, there was an expedition there in 2007 by someone who you probably know very, very well, not personally, but just by reputation, is, uh, you know, Mr. Paul Allen from Microsoft. Ah, yes. Now, he bought a hundred, several hundred million dollar yacht and then automatically decided not to use it and built another one called the Octopus. And the octopus is 416 feet long, and its bottom comes open, just like you'd see in the James Bond film. And he's got a several hundred million dollar submarine that holds 10 people that comes out of the bottom. And he went on an expedition to Antarctica in 2007 with a private security force of former Navy SEALs for protection to... You know who knows what, but you could rent your own ship probably very cheaply, right? <laughs> compared to building the octopus.
0: I'm just—it's—it's it's fascinating. You mentioned the octopus for, because, and for no particular reason, tonight I decided to don my my Spectre T-shirt, which of course has the octopus on it. I don't know if people at home can see this on the uh, on the webcam on our hangout. Oh, and incidentally, I should mention, George, uh, your webcam is—it's not operating. We can't see you. Okay, well, uh, I
1: can see me, so it's. Oh. You know, I'm there, and then the streaming going out on my internet, I can look at. Is I'm uh, you know Excellent. pushing up a lot of speed here, so why it's not getting out there, I can't understand. Well,
0: maybe it's maybe it's just on our end. We're not seeing you, so hopefully it is getting out there. Uh, in any event, I just I thought that was an interesting <laughs> little uh, serendipity there that I'd be wearing the, the Specter T-shirt. All right, so uh, any so any idea? Do you want to speculate as to what Alan was looking for? I mean, is there still um, a Nazi plunder, or or some... Is there a Nazi bell in, in, this, in the Antarctic?
1: I wouldn't be the slightest bit surprised that there was a base. They called it Base 211 in this film from 1938, and when you look at the pictures of this base, it is just mind-boggling that these were actual film footage of things they did there. Like, they had tunnels going underground that looked like you could take the subway down. Right. And uh, so do these things still exist in present time? The conspiracy word that you're not afraid to use, and the one I haven't been afraid to use, is I take power from it because I, I use it as a joke. When some global TV reporters were teasing me once, coming home a bit drunk, uh, you know, talking about uh, the conspiracy word, and I said, "Well, you know what the first conspiracy was, don't you?" And they just, you know, looked at me, and I said, "The world is round. <laughs> that was the first conspiracy, and anyone who thought it was round was." wacko, and every the church in the state were pretty much telling you it's flat, it has to be flat. And when we get into advanced civilizations, or maybe ancient civilizations, if there's something under the Antarctic ice, and many people say they are, the Russians captured German top-secret documents showing the inner earth in map form and access points. And I have a, a Russian documentary on my website, if you just... Type in, uh, in the search engine in the video section, Antarctica, you'll see them all. I have, you know, Admiral the hollow Earth video, the Russian video. Well, you
0: mentioned Admiral Byrd earlier, and, and of course, uh, Admiral Byrd, according to this, uh, legendary journal, and some say that this is, this story isn't, is is, apocryphal, that no such journal exists, but Byrd talks about, uh, catching a glimpse of an opening, uh, as he flew over the South Pole, suddenly looking down and seeing this verdant, Landscape, almost tropical, uh, which he flew into. Uh, you know, again, in the middle of where there should be nothing but ice and snow, and saw a tropical fauna, flora, and and uh, um, uh, creatures, strange creatures, and so forth. So
1: that's quite correct. And in the South American press at the time, he said there were flying saucers there.
0: Well, I, I want to ask you this, and we're coming up on a break, George, but I, I want to talk about the connection between the Nazi bell and anti-gravity and Nazi flying saucers, Nazi UFOs. Would you be good for that? Sure. George Freund joins us from Conspiracy Cafe. And just a reminder, coming up a little bit later, we'll talk about the Sony Pictures North Korean uh, computer hacking story from our media scientist friend, Nelson Thal. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show, our Christmas edition. Stay with us. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Uh, Welcome back, and just a reminder, we are doing another one of our Hangouts on Air HOAs, and if you go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, right near the top of the feed is the link. You just click on that, and uh, I'm not sure if you're able to see George Freund, our guest uh, from the Conspiracy Cafe. Uh, You can uh, see me in my new haircut, (laughs) if you'd like. Uh, Anyway, we're still in the early stages of developing the HOA, and we we, we wish to uh, continue to do these. Uh, If you'd like to give us a... uh, Uh, A comment or two about how you're enjoying the HOA, just uh, send us an email. It's theconspiracyshow1 at gmail.com. TheConspiracyShow1 at gmail.com uh, In fact, if you just would like to email us on any matter, that, w- that would be a great way uh, to contact us. TheConspiracyShow1 the at gmail.com George Freund is with us talking about the Nazi bell, anti-gravitics, uh, secret uh, weaponry that the Nazis possessed. Uh, just a reminder, coming up near the top of the hour, Nelson Thal, our media scientist friend, will be with us uh, to share some interesting uh, details, an interesting angle on this whole Sony Pictures North Korea computer hacking story. It may May not be what it appears, but then again, what is? Uh, George, I'm wondering what is the connection, do you uh, suppose, uh, between this Nazi Bell technology uh, that the Germans apparently were using to enrich uh, nuclear uh, material? Uh, what is the connection between the Nazi bell and, you know, these stories of uh, Foo Fighters that uh, allied uh, pilots encountered, uh, what we now call, you know, flying saucers or UFOs. Back then they referred to them as Foo Fighters, uh, because it, the timing is interesting. Um, you know, 1947, of course, just after the war, we have uh, we have Roswell, uh, and some contend uh, there are there are those who suggest that what the uh, Jim Mars, I believe, among them, that what the uh, what was actually shot down near Corona, New Mexico, was not an extraterrestrial craft; it was a Nazi craft. But how do you tell the American people, the public, you know, the, that they're still engaged in a war against the Nazis when the war wrapped up two years ago? And then, you, of course, you have the Kenneth Arnold flying saucer uh, sightings in 1947. So is what is the connection between the Nazi bell, Foo Fighters, UFOs? Well, if
1: they did have a base there, and some of the reference material that's coming out now is there were uh, a, a people there who had Germanic appearance, spoke German, but seemed to be very, very far advanced technologically compared to the rest of us. And uh, they were operating... These craft, and uh, there was research in Germany with basically the typical disc shape of aircraft, using something called the Coanda effect, where uh, you know hot vapor or air is pushed along the outside of the craft, goes underneath and gives it lift. We used to have a, an experimental craft here in Malton uh, in our own aircraft industry post-war. Playing with that, the the craft would get up from the ground, but it was hardly anything that could travel. Like uh, Admiral Byrd said, he was quoted in the various South American press that this thing could go pole to pole in minutes, and that he was concerned uh, of a potential attack on the United States. And uh, so he took this very very seriously, and uh, you know, he. There was also a component to say that there is an alien race as well that had this type of technology, but definitely a Germanic speaking people. So, if this bell did have a potential for something to do with time, could these Germanic, Earth like looking people have been someone from the future with, uh, you know, advanced technologies or something along that line? This,
0: this here, story just gets weirder and weirder, doesn't it?
1: Well, when we look at what happened. Back in the time, is Admiral Byrd, after his second operation, Operation Deep Freeze, died, and there's a lot of people who thought he was murdered. And uh, you know, worse than uh, than that is James Forrestal, the Secretary of Defense, was most definitely murdered. So they wrote him off as a suicide. He was. Uh, Said to be nuts because he started talking about what we're talking about. Well, they,
0: they they slipped him some LSD, I believe, and threw him out of a. They an threw office. him out the window. Right.
1: He was in the presidential suite at Bethesda Naval Hospital. His family had uh, told him, uh, you know, what was uh, to try to get him out. He was on the eve of the day where a court order was to have him released. He was, of course, committed without his consent, and his uh, family got him out. And on that evening. Uh, he was approached by, I guess, the big burly guys that uh, look after you in these places. And what I found from an old newspaper article was there were scratch marks on the windowsill. Well, if you're jumping out, you just jump. You know, <laughs> There's no scratch marks. That's right. If so- somebody's throwing you out, there's going to be scratch marks. So the fact that he had the information about the top-end weapon systems and the ability of, uh, you know, whatever these uh, spacecraft are, and the fact that he was losing it and he wasn't going to keep it a secret anymore, his his life was over. He was taken out. Yes, they right. named an aircraft carrier after him later, but
0: uh, he's gone. Uh, we'll uh, stay connected here with George Freund here for a few moments yet, and then, as, as I say, coming up a little bit later in the hour, Nelson Thal, our media scientist, talking about the uh, Sony Pictures North Korea computer hacking story, not what it appears. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Seren. Uh, George Freund from Conspiracy Cafe stays with us for a few moments uh, yet. Now, George, you mentioned that uh, uh, you felt like a kid in the candy store, sort of uncovering this information, that it, it just seemed to be available online, and then it was almost as quickly taken down. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, what happened to me was uh, when I first found these articles from a New Zealand newspaper about the U-196, you know, I saved everything. I stayed up late, copied it all, saved all the pictures and images, and then, you know, Kept the links, and then when I went to open them the next day, they were gone. <laughs> and <laughs> I was just flabbergasted to say, well, hey, that was fast. But, uh, you know, they have been restored, it appears, but uh, when I went the next day,
0: they were gone. Interesting. Now, let me throw something else at you, uh, and that is uh, the, we're all familiar with the legend of the Philadelphia experiment and the, the USS Eldridge. Uh, where some suggested that there was a bit of, um, uh, time travel involved there, that some sort of, uh, Tesla coil that was, uh, uh mounted on this, uh, this naval, uh, it wasn't a destroyer, it was, uh, it was, um, uh, the kind of a, a ship that would accompany a, a naval destroyer, uh, but it was, it suddenly sort of blipped in and out of, uh, reality. Uh, do you think there's a connection there with the Nazi bell? Could there have been a Nazi bell on board the USS Eldridge?
1: Well, what, as I understand it, they did is they put large copper coils around it and synthesized basically a, Tesla, a massive Tesla coil. There could have been a bell on the inside, but you know, there, we can only speculate about that. And that's what caused this, uh, this rupture in time and space to have it move. And, of course, they hide everything. One of the large UFO incidents that goes back to 1965 that fits the bell scenario is the Kecksburg UFO incident.
0: In Pennsylvania, yes.
1: And uh, so they call it an acorn. But uh, it bears a great deal of significance to the the shape and design of of this bell. And that's one of the other theories that comes out of uh, the Flat Earth society is that these things were craft as well. That they, they could be, you know, with that type of power... Uh, with these spinning things to be anti-gravity or, or something that can lift up and fly and move very quickly, the way Admiral Byrd said, you know that, that would be child's play to
0: people who master this technology. Sense. I just uh, recalled something, and I'll have to go back and verify this, but it seems to me that uh, the, the Betty and Barney Hill abduction uh, story, uh, and they were the, sort of the first prominent uh, individuals to talk openly about an alien abduction, it seems to me either Betty or Barney mentioned uh, that while they were aboard this craft, they seem to recall seeing Nazis. Does that ring a bell with you? No yeah. pun intended.
1: That's a that's a common uh, a common statement from people who claim abduction that there were German-speaking people or you know implied Nazis, and it just doesn't fit in with uh, you know the alien presence. But uh, that comes up over and over and over again. That we have two very distinct. Uh, you know, types of people occupying craft like that. The typical alien, obviously alien type person, and then someone who looks just like us and speaks German, but is just remarkably advanced uh, technologically.
0: Uh, this nazi bell again the technology uh, you know 70 80 years old think of what they have now i mean when i say they i don't even know who i mean the nazi international the whoever you want to call them the, you know the the uh, the elite the oligarchs the unelected oligarchs the uh, the bilderbergs whatever you want to call them this break they as richard dolan says they 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 constitute a breakaway civilization uh, because they have this technology at their disposal imagine the nazi bell plus 80 years
1: Yes. One of the big things the uh, ultra-rich are getting into for private yachts are submarines. So a company that makes these high-end submarines for them, and they're hundreds of millions of dollars. They're hardly toys. Uh, you know, back when I looked into the 2007 trip with Mr. Allen, they sold a 100 of them.
0: Remarkable. Remarkable.
1: So, you know, the Billionaire Yacht Club is doing quite well. The, one of the patents for uh, this, this, what they call Vortex Tube, and the patent of the Verbel roar. Uh, Bell was in 1935, and uh, you know, Professor Max Steenbeck, Swiss scientist Dr. Walter Dollenbach, and uh, it was St- Steenbeck who worked with the Soviets to create their Bell, which was called Tokamak. And then, a 1934 Hungarian scientist Leo Slezard, he patented something very similar as well, because you're turning one element into another element by creating a, uh, a mercury plasma with thorium.
0: It's alchemy at its worst. Uh, George, always a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. We really appreciate your work, and it's always a delight having you on the program. And uh, people, uh, again, the website, George?
1: Uh, www.conspiracy-cafe.com, or just Google my name. I'm everywhere where it uh, comes up, get more hits than the Prime Minister, and uh, I can sleep
0: nights. <laughs> All right, George. Merry Christmas. You too, my friend. Bye-bye. George, George Freund. All right. Uh, it's been four weeks since hackers calling themselves Guardians of Peace uh, began their cyber terrorism campaign against Sony Pictures Entertainment. In that time, thousands of executive emails and other documents have been posted online. Employees and their families were threatened, and unreleased films were reportedly stolen and made available for illegal download. And, of course uh the um, the film which uh, supposedly cost somewhere in the order of 75 million dollars that would be the interview uh where two sort of unlikely candidates are recruited by uh, US intelligence their mission to assassinate North Korea's president uh Kim il joon and uh we're hearing now that that's not what happened the north Koreans are not behind uh, this entertainment hack, and at least that's the, uh, the take of our media scientist friend Nelson Thal, who joins us now. Hello, Nelson.
2: Good. How are you doing, Richard?
0: I'm well. I'm well. So, uh, w- what do you hear? What do you know? The North Koreans not at, at all responsible for this hack?
2: You know, I think that, um, we remember we start from the fact that we're standing on the shoulders of giants, and you know all the media scientists understand that events are well scripted and designed for desirable effects, and we call that state psyops, and that's the name of the Twitter, isn't that right, Richard?
0: Yeah, yes. We should mention there's a uh, there's a, a button on the uh, RichardSerra.com state psyops, and uh, uh, for, it's that's for Nelson's
2: propaganda enthusiast.
0: All right. So. So there's What, a lot what, of propaganda what stinks as here. far as the story? Yeah, what, what, what doesn't sit well with you? The, the official line is that, uh, evil North Korea. I mean, there's no question that... <laughs>
2: well, I listened to the CEO of Linton today, and when you look at what he said, he, they were just not uh, plausible. Uh, he said that on C- um, CNN that uh, he had spoken to the U.S. government and to think tanks as well that work with the U.S. government. And he said that he asked them if doing a movie about the assassination of the head of state would be a problem or cause a threat, and he said that the U.S. government and the think tank said no. (laughs)
0: So I mean, what are you saying on, that they, they were goaded into to, this
2: would you, would you have any any think take that i 've ever been involved in and would say hey you 're doing a movie about the assassination of the korean leader that 's going to cause some problems
0: well and let 's face it, it kim jong un is man. Kim Jong un is not the most stable uh, of individuals, so I mean yeah. it stands to reason that if you were to make a film about assassinating someone like kim jong un he 's going to react but
2: so Oh, yeah. Well, Rich, Rich, remember this: in, uh, on November the nineteenth, uh, Route sixty-six, an episode of the popular TV show went uh, aired in prime time. The episode was called "I'm Here to Kill a King." Okay. And it would dealt with the political assassination. November nineteenth, Route sixty six. I'm here to kill a king.
0: So some preemptive programming.
2: It started. Yeah, the the episode was produced well in advance of the Kennedy assassination, and have, have and, uh, quarters believing it was part of a predictive programming, predictive programming operation. So, yes, right. Right, right. Now, let's keep in mind that the movie Manchurian Candidate, based on the 62 novel, with, was, with the same title, was about a former Korean POW named Raymond Shaw, who was brainwashed during his captivity by communist agents. The Soviets and Chinese programmed Shaw to assassinate a presidential candidate. Uh do I have to go into what the obvious is there? Experts on the CIA's MK Ultra mind control program see similarities between Shaw character and the Oswald character, both military veterans. So there's a lot of... If you,
0: you're, say, you're saying, that Nelson, that the, this movie, The Interview, is predictive programming and that uh, the, that we're, we're being set up for some sort of a false flag which could involve the assassination of a president, well,
2: God forbid. Well, according for fame. to hacked emails from Sony picture execs, a scene where Kim Jong-un is hit by a tank shell scattering brain matter, skull fragments, and burnt flesh and hair in all directions, was approved by the U.S. State Department Special Envoy for Human Rights, Ambassador Robert King, and an unnamed, quote, very senior, unquote, official in the State Department. So apparently the CIA's use of Hollywood for its psychological warfare, predictive programming, and soft power projection operations is as strong as it ever was in the past. That's for sure we can say.
0: Now, what about this claim that Sony said that their their uh, seventy five million uh, that they lost by not screening uh, uh, the interview uh, was would be covered by insurance? You said there's a problem with that that doesn't ring well, true
2: exactly um, He says that he had insurance to cover the financial loss here, but all insurance contracts contained uh, exemptions for acts of God and acts of war. And, I'm sh- and as you and I both know, we've studied the re- – the re- one of the ways of finding out the truth about a lot of these aircraft accidents is we go right to the insurance report because the insurance guys always do say what's really happening because they're next on the line. They're not going to pay for TWA 800 if the admiral, uh, the, uh, the admiral took an ad out in the New York Times saying that it was shot down by a missile. They're going to say, hey, look, your own admiral says it was a missile. It's an act of war. We're not paying you, TWA. So you can find out, and that's what we do as scientists. We find out what really is being written about it. I mean, Richard, this event could merely be the trigger, the predestined trigger to wake up sleepers in America. Like a lone wolf activation code. Uh, sophisticated people in the operations end of, of intelligence agencies know this, deal with this all the time.
0: But but why would Sony allow themselves to be embarrassed in this way? I mean, some of those uh, e- uh, emails were... were... not
2: embarrassed because if you listen to the CEO today, he said, look, we want this released. We're not pulling this. What happened is the theaters... Came to us and said they wouldn't play it. So they don't come out looking bad. Their bankers aren't angry with them, and the studio industry's not angry with them. And they're, they're not. This isn't going to hurt their brand. And uh, well, they're being
0: Richard accused has, of being
2: cowards. Richard they're... has the head of the uh, Richard Has was on CNN and he's on Farik's show and he said no, this won't hurt their brand and I, it won't because um, listen, Richard, this is an arm of the, the military industrial complex here.
0: So, spell it out for me, uh, Nelson. I'm a simple man. We just got about uh, thirty seconds here but uh, so what are we being set up for this, if, if is the movie predictive programming or is is the fact that they they pulled it from the theaters predictive programming? spell it out for me
2: hey, listen it, 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 the top down conspiracy always plays catch up to the bottom up conspiracy effects we say so the owners of the system may be trying to pro foment another war another Gulf of Tonkin, another Gulf of Pearl Harbor, 9-11. Uh- there's a lot going on uh, with
0: with North Korea
2: on multiple levels I'm sure the studio would like the government to allow them to vertically integrate once again and allow the studios to own the theaters which they haven't been able to do since the uh, anti-trust laws were put through that's an interesting point
0: listen Nelson we're out of time Uh, always a pleasure and uh, the Twitter feed at State PsyOps and you can uh, find it right on the homepage at RichardSerrett.com. some great great material there Nelson thanks as always
2: Thank you, Richard. Bye
0: bye. Nelson Thal. All right, my thanks to Tim Spreen for production, Albert Venzel, story producer, all of you listening at home. Back next week with a brand new program. Hope you'll be along for that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't be made known. Would I speak in the light, or would I speak in the dark, speak in the light, which you hear in a whisper proclaim from the housetops. Merry Christmas. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.